episode 25, Hey Love Podcast. That defining of who am I okay with disappointing and who am I not okay with disappointing in the sense of I do not want to disappoint my husband. I do not want to disappoint my God and I do not want to disappoint my kids as much as I can. And so so looking at that and those priorities, that's really helped me when the criticism comes. Welcome to Hey Love, engaging the introverted woman in soul care, spirituality, and social spaces. Here, it's all about relationships. Hey, love, welcome to our 25th episode of the podcast about relationships. That makes it sound like we're the only podcast about relationships, which I totally know is not true. There's so many good ones out there, but I'm really, that makes me even more happy that you chose to be with us and listen to our podcast about relationships. Now I sound like Southwest Airlines. Thanks for choosing us. I'm your host, Carthy Masters, and I'm so glad you're here. We are going to hear from a friend of mine who's known as one of the very first mommy bloggers ever. Crystal Payne started taking up space in the blogosphere back in 2002. And I'll tell you, you would think from seeing all that she has going on, she'd be really serious all the time and all put together. But she has one of the most contagious laughs I've ever heard in my life. A couple of weeks ago, she was telling me stories over lunch about an adventure that she had overseas. And I was laughing so hard, I almost threw up. Every head in that Panera was turned at us. And she had her back to the room so she couldn't see it, but I could. But that didn't. I still couldn't stop laughing. I I wanted to take all her courses after that. If you go to her website, you'll want to do the same. She is brilliant at what she does and so full of joy. It's like, I'll have whatever she's having. Today, Crystal's going to tell us all about her humble yet uh, not so humble beginnings. You'll understand what that means and how she was then humbled for real. You're going to hear a faint voice every once in a while in the background because as she's talking, there's a fool interviewer in the next room trying to get in on the conversation. At least that's what it sounds like. Because guess what? I forgot to turn on my mic again. Yet another example of my podcasting genius expertise in action. So that pro, you know who, that's yours truly, will be inserting questions as we listen down together today. We start off talking about Crystal's fondest memories of childhood. Well, so I grew up in a family of nine. So there were seven kids. I have three brothers and three sisters. And we were all very close growing up. And um, my my parents really wanted to raise us in an environment where we were really close. They wanted us to be best friends. And sometimes that was that worked out really well. And other times that didn't work out so well. But my, I remember my mom always saying, if you can get along with everybody in this house, you can probably get along with anybody. (laughs) I asked Crystal if she's still close to her siblings today, and she shares what it's like when they get together now as adults. I mean, we're still really close now, and when we get together, it is very loud and there's we're all talking over each other and anyone who's not really used to that could feel like it's complete chaos but we're just like this is normal 
Crystal describes her favorite room in her house and what makes it feel like a warm hug every morning. She doesn't mention this because she's so humble, but she actually has an online program called Makeover Your Mornings, which she put together so that you can experience that same feeling every time you walk into your favorite room. I'll link to that in the show notes. Go check out her blog, moneysavingmom.com. I would have to say it's our kitchen. And so when we rented our, we're renting our house right now. And um, when we rented the house, um, it was sight unseen. So we rented it. We um, moved from Kansas two years ago and we found this house online and we'd heard that houses go really fast in this area and so it was it was in our budget and it had what we were looking for and so we had some friends who lived here go look at it and they're like yeah I think you should get it and so we did so we pulled up the first time that we saw the house and the neighborhood and the area was the day that we were moving in and we had signed a two-year lease and um, so that was that was very Uh, That was very interesting. So our kitchen is my favorite room in the house just because I love... The, the cupboards are white and it's just so airy and I love clean kitchen countertops because I'm a minimalist and so I just love in the mornings I, I get up usually before my family's up and go down there and I light a candle and I make my cup of coffee and it's nice. just like having I try to have a clean kitchen before I go to bed because when I wake up in the morning and I come down that clean kitchen it's like this warm hug or something and it feels like all is right with the world. My guest today has a place of great influence on the internet. It's pretty astounding how many followers she has, really faithful followers. So I knew that she had to have been poured into in order to be able to give of herself every day like she does. As Crystal's talking about the women who've helped build her character, I couldn't help but feel a little more appreciated as a mom and a writer. If you've ever felt unacknowledged or unappreciated as a mom who prays for your children or a writer who wonders if her words make any difference to anyone, do you ever ask the question like I do, is anybody out there? Crystal's answer to this question will encourage you deeply to keep on keeping on. I would say that two women, um, because I'm going to say two, (laughs) my mom for sure, Um, I can remember just my mom is such a prayer warrior and I remember being a young child and waking up in the middle of the night or what felt like the middle of the night, it was actually four in the morning and I would get up to go get a drink and my mom would be out in her family room on her knees praying and it felt like I'm like, mom, do you ever sleep? Because it was, it felt like the middle of the night to me and, but she has just always been such a prayer warrior and praying for us for, you know, they started, she started praying for our future spouses when we were in utero and just praying for so many things for thinking ahead and such forward thinking. And so she's impacted me in so many ways, but especially her just heart for the Lord and her heart for honoring God with her life. And then as a prayer warrior. So that's one. And then the second for me is when I was a teen, um, my mom, uh, introduced me. Well, probably when I was actually when I was younger than teen, but Amy Carmichael, um, she has impacted me so much that her writings, um, my mom shared the, she would do these missionary stories with different objects and pictures. And, um, I just remember her, um, doing, talking about Amy Carmichael. And then when I was probably 11 or 12, she 
bought me some of her books that had been reprinted. And then so I read over and over and over, just read her writings. And um, just I remember this this love through me, love of God, make me like the clear air through which unhindered colors pass as though it were not there. And just constantly thinking of um, just how I want to be that conduit. And so just so my mom and Amy Carmichael, definitely two women who have impacted me. People usually cringe at the eulogy question, but Crystal rather likes it. She agrees that it's important to look down the road into the future. That is such a great question. (laughs) And you know how sometimes it is good for us to go, like, to fast forward and to think, what do I want to look back at the end of my life? And I do try to, since since I was a young girl, I really tried to remember time is short and actually my graduation speech um because I was homeschooled so there were only seven of us that we graduated (laughs) and so I gave a speech um and it was all about how time is short and and I want to live with eternity in view and so always thinking of what's going to matter at the end of my life and so I, I really think that my hope would be that that someone would say that I I think it's you know that she has done what she could and I feel like you can only do what you can only do but I want to live my life to the fullest I want to bring my best and boldest and bravest self and not hold back and I think sometimes we can forget that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and we don't have to try to hold up reserves for tomorrow. We can give everything we have today and live today like it's our last. And so that's just really for me, that's my heart. That's how I want to live so that I look back and sure, there will be regrets. Regrets are part of living, but I want to look back and, and have someone say she gave everything that she had. I've really enjoyed hearing how people have scored on this relational quiz. If you'd like to take it, please write in on Facebook or Instagram, and I promise to do better about leaving info about that all around so that you can find it more easily on the internet. Of course, it's on the website, but who has time to go there, right? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I know you've poked around on the website because I've seen you, and you've told me you have. We've worked hard on that. This would be a good time to shout out to my friends at Mere Agency for taking care of that for me. It's one thing I know nothing about, and it's a team that I fully trust. It's great to delegate, I'm learning, because that way I can concentrate on other things, like making sure my mic's on, things like that, you know. Here's more of Crystal, who admits that she doesn't have it all together either. And some days, she even feels like she's a hot mess. I have no idea what that feels like. So I was struggling because I could see myself in in the answers. I, I could see myself in almost all of them. And if you, like, on any given day, I could be some of the different ones. Yeah. Probably I would I would go in between depending upon the day, it would either be mighty spidey or easy breezy, which sounds so contradictory. But I think that mighty spidey is probably what I would be more drawn to normally be the kind of always right, want to have everything in control and have everything organized and be the right kind of thing. But I'm learning more about my personality and trying to really be true to who I am as a person, not who I think I should be as a person. And I think I there is more 
of that easy breezy in me in a hopefully healthy way. Um, so I don't know, but I, there are definitely days when it's not healthy. And in fact, on the way over, I was talking to a friend on the phone and I said, it's always really great to go and do a podcast where they're at wanting you to like give wise information and you feel like a hot mess. Crystal has good insight about our current Instagram culture, which sometimes can leave us feeling a little less than known and loved for who we really are as fellow hot messes. I always talk about how on Instagram, we see this one little, this like tiny little square of someone's life, and we conjure up how their whole house and their whole entire life all from that one little picture. And I just always remind myself, we could take one little picture that looked like that, but we all have plenty of places in our life that do not look like that one little picture. I always love hearing my guests' conversion stories. It's a great way to get to really know a person quick. And there's nothing like a story, you know, to make a truth come to life. The inspiration for that question was the Samaritan woman. After she encountered Jesus by the well, she ran back into the village. Here's the woman who had isolated herself from all the other women in the village, and now she was seeking them out. She had to tell them, come meet the man. Come check this out. The man who told me everything about myself. She couldn't keep it to herself. She couldn't shut up. And people believed in Jesus because of her testimony. After reading the Samaritan woman's story a couple of years ago, I knew I had to have this as one of my questions on the podcast. Crystal Payne grew up in church, as many of my friends did, but she had a lot to learn about what makes her acceptable to God other than church attendance. She confesses at first it was just out of fear that she accepted Jesus' invitation. But you know what? God is so welcoming. The more I get to know Him, I see Him as completely open-armed. And I, I feel like it doesn't even matter if you pray the prayer of salvation out of utter fear like Crystal did. As far as He's concerned, it'll still take Whether it's a soldier crying out in a foxhole somewhere on the battlefield or a little girl crying on her parents' bed for fear of spending eternity in hell, Jesus' answer is always, yes, absolutely, welcome. All God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. Crystal also talks about a book that helped her shift from a fear of eternal damnation to a personal love relationship with God. Yes. Okay. So I said I was raised in a Christian home and I remember from the time that I was a young girl, I wanted to be a Christian because I was afraid of hell. And I was, so I I know by the time I was four or five, I remember that every time there was a gospel presentation or it was, you know, pray the sinner's prayer, I would pray it over and over and over again. I remember being in my parents' bed at night. I was scared and they would let me go in there until it was time for them to go to bed. And then they'd kick me out of their bed. But, um, and I would be laying in there and I just remember like putting my face in the pillow and just praying like, you know, just please, please, I want to be a Christian. Forgive me for all my sins and I don't want to go to hell. And I think that at that time it was just out of my own fear of what I was scared of and I wanted to avoid versus any kind of regenerative sort of thing in my life. And so then when I was about 10 years old, um, I started, I, I read this book about the life of um, Oswald Chambers. It was called Abandoned to God. And I read it multiple times when I was a teen, but that book and his life just impacted me in this really powerful way of 
no longer for me was it this fear of hell. It was this desire for God. And it was that I just, I wanted and was hungering and thirsting after the things of God. I wanted my life to be abandoned to God. I wanted to have what I saw that Oswald Chambers had. And so just really, it was this time in my life. I can't tell you a specific day, but I remember right around the time when I was 11 years old, um, just something inside of me started changing where it was, I no longer was responding in anger. I was just wanting to respond out of love. And I'd always struggled as a child with just outbursts of anger. I slipped in here to ask Crystal why she dealt with so much anger as a child. And she expounds on how control is still this elusive thing and she's tired of chasing it as an adult. I think that my nature has always been very much that I like to be in control and I like to control things and I've always struggled with wanting to control people and situations. And I've struggled with um, extreme anxiety for all my life. And a lot of it has to do with um, I'm very fearful of things that feel outside of my control. I'm very fearful of new situations, new going into a situation where I don't know the lay of the land. That's very unsettling for me. And so I think as a child, um, I... I really feel like it was when I felt like something, I wasn't in control, then I think that there was anger there because of, I mean, obviously it was because of sin, but because of me wanting to have that control. And so for for me, it's been this lifelong, I feel like it's just like letting go and really having to rest in in God and knowing that God is ultimately in control and I can try so hard to control and get all my ducks in a little row, but ultimately God's in control and he can just take, pull the carpet out from under me at any time and he can choose to completely turn my world upside down. And the more that I just try to control it, the more frustrated and anxious I'm going to be. But if I can just leave it in his hands then it allows me to just rest in that. And whatever happens, I know that he's in control. He's got this. And I don't have to worry. And it's a lifelong process. I'm definitely, I mean, I feel like this year there's been more, every year it feels like there's more layers of the onion being peeled back to get to the root of some of these issues in my life. And I feel like control for me of trying to control my marriage, trying to control the business, trying to control my kids, trying to control these situations that ultimately... I don't have any control over, but I feel like if I can make it look more organized or if I can know what the plan is or whatever, then there's something inside of me that feels like, okay, like I got this. And then God continues to do these, put these things in my life to just remind me of the fact that he's ultimately in control and he's got this and I can rest in him. And the more that I try to cling on to that facade of control, just the more stress that it creates. Can you think of a biography that really fanned a flame inside you as a new believer? Crystal talks about a biography that hit her that way and describes the hunger that she experienced as a teen for the things of God and how she struggled with legalism. All of a sudden it was like I was just searching the scriptures and just praying and just reading God's word and I couldn't get enough of any of the Christian books and I just wanted to read everything that I could because I was so hungry for the things of God and so just I could go back and read my journals at that time and my heart was just so tender 
to the things of God. And my parents said that they just saw such a dramatic change in me in that year. And, and I, I just, I know that that's when God really got a hold of my heart, but I feel like I was still, um, I was really legalistic about it. It was, it was for me, I wanted to, I wanted to please God. I wanted God to be like, I had attained what he wanted for me. I wanted to be good. I wanted to follow the rules and, and it's my personality type that to be very black and white. And so it was like, there's right and there's wrong and I'm going to be right. The money-saving mom explains that while she began with pure intentions, she became convinced that her way was the only way, the right way. Then as a young woman, um, why she found herself beginning to question her legalistic thinking and how reactions on her own blog helped point Crystal in the right direction. I I went along for years and I do believe that I really truly was saved because I really had this hunger and thirst after God and I saw God so powerful in my life, but I didn't understand grace. And so it was when I was, so I got married and um, I was pregnant with my first child and I decided to start this blog and um, I was, this blog was called Biblical Womanhood and I was going to tell everybody what was right and how you needed to live your life because Every 23-year-old knows exactly how every woman should live her life and how to be a biblical woman. And so I started writing these kind of fire and brimstone articles about how you need to live your life. And, and there was so much passion behind it that was really, I mean, it was it was godly in the sense of it was very motivated by like wanting to please the Lord. It wasn't that I wanted something for I mean, I look back and I don't think it was about making a name for myself or it was about making other people upset or something. It was just I really wanted to help people see the right way, which was my way. I asked Crystal how her blog got so wildly popular. There's millions of people on there. There weren't very many blogs at that time. And so a lot of quote unquote, a lot, which felt like a lot of people were reading my blog. And um, one day, I don't really know how, but some, it was an atheist, I believe, found my blog. And I don't even remember what article it was. It was probably something on a woman's role in a marriage or something. And went and shared it on this feminist atheist forum that basically the forum was just designed to attack people people who had conservative views. And I definitely fit that bill clearly from my blog. And so they started coming over to my blog and, and I'm this 23, 24 year old young, you know, woman who has a, has a young child who hasn't been married for very long at all, doesn't know much about life. And, um, they started asking me all these questions about, well, where's that in the Bible? And, and where, what scripture do you have to back that belief up? And just really challenging me. And at first I would just started going to bat for what I believed and I would, we'd have all these arguments in the comment section and it was get it would get really heated and I would spend all this time trying to figure out how I was going to prove my point and then it got to the place where they kept pushing me and I started realizing I don't have proof I don't have scripture to back this belief up I can tell you what another ministry would say on their website or in their book about this but I didn't have actual scripture and so that really forced me to start reading the scripture with new eyes and I and I read it multiple times like I said before then but reading it without thinking through the lens of different ministries or whatever that had impacted me and instead just saying what does the word of God 
really and truly say. I encapsulate at this point that basically God used one of her critics, namely an atheist, to get Crystal into the Word of God. And she agreed. That's right. (laughs) To really search the scriptures like I'd never done before. I think it's really easy to follow a man or a method or a ministry because you just do what they tell you to do. You just believe what they tell you to believe. And then, okay, you, you believe the right thing. But when you're really searching God's word for what does it truly say for me? And you really have to pray and cry out to God to give you that wisdom. Um, It was, it, it felt so unsettling at the time and yet it was shaking something at my core that needed to really be shook up so there was a few a few years of that where I was really starting to question what I'd always believed and thought was right in my legalistic viewpoints um but I kept arguing for them because I wanted so badly to be right but I started it was like there was little chinks in my armor God continued to humble Crystal and met her in a special way on a family life cruise. Incidentally, when she starts talking about this, I'm tickled because my husband and I were on the same cruise at the same time that year, but I didn't know Crystal back then. And she discovered that more than being right or doing more for God, she needed to receive His love and acceptance. Seeing how God sees her transformed Crystal's life in a big way. And she shares how that's enabled her to love others, even the harshest critics out there. I remember the day that I feel like it was the first time that I just experienced grace in such a powerful way. And um, my husband and I were on a Love Like You Mean It cruise um, with Family Life. It was the ladies, um, it was a breakout. And... um, there was there was music and it was this song when daddy says i'm beautiful and she was talking about how you know what your heavenly father thinks of you and i just it was this powerful moment for me of feeling god whispering in my ear i think you're beautiful and i couldn't i couldn't accept that i couldn't receive that because i'd always told myself you're not enough you need to try harder you need to do more you need to be better in order to attain god's love and all this legalism that i had been working so hard to be right because i wanted god's love and when he said you know when he whispered that into my ear of i think you're beautiful it was I just started weeping. And but yet I was like that can't be right. That you know that's not true. That's not true. I'm not beautiful. You don't think I'm beautiful. I haven't done enough for you. And so then I just was really profoundly impacted at at my core and I started reading scripture again saying what does God say about me? There was nothing in there that said I needed to do more, be more, try harder, attain more, work harder. There was nothing in there. It was, it was you're redeemed, you're loved, you're forgiven, you're accepted, you're chosen, you're beautiful. And it took me two years of reading those and reading that and reading that and reading that for me to finally believe the truth. And when I truly believed that to the core of my being, that I didn't need to do any more, be any more, be any different, change anything, that I was enough in Him, it totally transformed my life. Because I knew the truth 
and then the truth set me free. So then I could go into a situation and I didn't have to worry about what are other people thinking of me? What are, you know, I'm not enough for them. They, they probably don't like me. I would always put these lies ahead of myself whenever I would go into any situation. It was that insecurity. But when I knew who I was in Christ, I didn't have to worry about that anymore because maybe they didn't like me. Maybe they, you know, if I would go up on a stage and I would give a talk and I got done and they would not like it or just think, well, that was a waste of my time or whatever, which people sometimes write on the comment cards. That didn't change who I was in Christ. And so knowing who I was in Christ, then that set me free to be able to live fully and love well because it wasn't about me anymore. It wasn't about me trying to do something in order to impress someone. It was just about me really standing and camping in who I was in Christ and then living out of that. So for me, that was really the grace. I feel like it was. it's just really been in the last five years that I've understood grace and what it really means. The, the most powerful three words in the Bible of it is finished. And that he has finished that work and he doesn't need my help to try to do any more to make it any better. It is finished. Crystal talks about how buying a new Bible and using a new method she calls controversial helped her to take the word in with fresh eyes. She also will tell us why she enjoys discussing scripture passages with her husband, given their different personality types and how they complement each other well. I don't know. My favorite Bible study of all time, that feels like a really... (laughs) I've done a lot of Bible studies, but I will say the, the ones I'm doing right now, I've been doing the She Reads Truth studies for the last two years. I've done all of the studies and those have impacted me really powerfully. Um, I have since, because I was raised in a Christian home and had my parents really modeled the whole having personal devotions. And so from, from an early age, I would get up early and read my Bible. I don't know, maybe had read through the Bible at least 10 times by the time I was 25. And so I I think you can get to a place of where it's almost like you, you just read it and you just read over it because you've read it quote unquote so many times. And, and like it almost became rote. And, um, so for me, what I ended up doing is when I was realizing that I was reading the same passages kind of in the same way, and there wasn't this new meaning coming alive for me. So I ended up getting a new Bible and that was a different translation that was laid out differently. So it was kind of like, it was this fresh Bible. And then I made this commitment, which kind of controversial, but I said I wasn't going to write in my Bible. And the reason was is because, well, a lot of people feel like you really should be writing in your Bible if you're a good Christian or something. But so that every time I would read it, and I might change that in two years from now, who knows, but that every time I read it, it's fresh. It's not, I, I was realizing that I was going to the passages that I had underlined the last time I'd read, or that I underlined five years before and I was like I would skip almost my eyes would skip to that verse and I instead of reading it with fresh eyes and so I I did that and then doing the she reads truth studies have been so good for me because it's it helps I like how they piece the scripture where it's an old testament and new testament a lot of times or it'll be on a topical type of thing or um when it was the 
um, Easter, leading up to Easter, how they did every single day was they actually did the passage of scripture that happened on that yeah. day. Yeah. And it just, it made it really powerful for me. And so those, that's something that has caused scripture to come alive in a new way for me. And now I love it. They have the He Reads Truth. So my husband's doing the the guys study. And so that is really cool for us to be doing the same studies together. Oh. But the guys books are different than the women's books because they're written by men. Yeah. And so they kind of come at it from a different perspective. And yeah. some of this, some of the readings will be the same as far as what they'll have. The devotional will be the same. Um, and then a lot of times will be different. So yeah. we'll get, we'll get very different things from the passage and then to be able to share that together. So that's been, that's been really, now my husband is also, so if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs at all, the personality yeah. types. Okay. So, so he's sensing and I'm intuitive. And so I I think we come at scripture very differently because I will drill down on that one specific verse and then he's talking about all of the landscape of the whole you know the passage and the whole entire and I'm just like where did you get that from and then he'll be like you where did you where did you get that out of that one verse and so we we complement each other well in doing uh, studying scripture together so this next question makes me wonder you know who am I willing to disappoint This is a question that Crystal asks herself, and I really am taking these words to heart because it's obvious this woman has some wisdom to share about keeping priorities straight and identity straight, too. So be thinking about who you're willing to disappoint as you hear this. Um, I think part of, you know, if you put anything out there on the Internet or if you are an artist or whatever you put out there, there's going to be critics. And if you don't want to get criticized, then just shut up because that's the best way to not get criticized. Although you could get criticized for not saying anything at all. But um, there's no joy in that. There's When you have stuff that you are passionate about, when you have ideas that you want to share with the world, when you have things that you... Writing is very cathartic to me. And I always say, if you put me on an island where I had no paper, no writing utensils, I would take a stick and I would write in the dirt because I can't not write. That's just who I am as a person. So for me, I would say that in the beginning, it was very hard. It's very hard to separate the person from what they're saying. And it's very hard to separate yourself personally from the attack. Um, And now... It, I would say that um, it's, it's a process of learning to develop thick skin. It's also a process of learning who I am in Christ. And for me, it's been a process of figuring out, okay, what is my why? Who am I called to serve and love and help? And who am I okay with disappointing? Because I'm going to disappoint people. And so really for me to define who am I called to serve? And therefore, then, who am I okay with disappointing? So, for instance, right now, my blog has changed a lot in the last few years because when it first started, um, we were in a very tight financial position. So I was clipping coupons and I was trying to figure out how to save 50 cents here and $2 there because we had to. That was how we were surviving. And that was what I cut my teeth on in the blogosphere, and it was great, and it helped a lot of people. But we are now in a place where we have a lot more wiggle room in our budget. And 
I need to focus on what's the return on my investment of time. I can spend 30 minutes trying to save $3, but that's not worth my time. And I have to really think about where do I want to put my effort? What is important? What are our family's priorities? And be okay with the fact that our priorities are different than someone else's priorities. And we're in a different season of life than other people. So right now on my blog, there's going to be things that won't make could almost feel hurtful to someone who they are in a really tight financial position. So for instance, I've talked about the fact that we have, um, we have cleaners that come in and they save me so much time. And for what I pay them for the hours that it saves me every week, totally worth the return on investment time. Eight years ago, that would have never been something we would ever considered. And I understand that there are a lot of people who are not in a position that they could do that. But I have to look at return on investment of my time. And for me, that is financial stewardship. It is really knowing your priorities and figuring out what is your best return on investment of time. What are, there's thousands of ideas of ways that you can steward your time and steward your finances. And you need to choose what works best for your family. In reply to our last question for today, Crystal expounds on her unwillingness to disappoint those closest to her. She lays out some steps for not taking it personally when someone's in attack mode, which I'm going to refer to often, I'm sure. If you're a writer or a woman of influence in any capacity, that includes you, the young mom, or the young wife making a home for yourself and your new hubby, or if you're a seasoned speaker at events and conferences, or if you're a lone missionary listening from some faraway land, Be encouraged and remember what God says about you before you pay too much attention to what any other human says about you. So I've shared about some of these things. I sometimes talk about our travel. I sometimes talk about the fact that my kids are involved in extracurricular activities and things like that. And so people who are in a really tight financial situation, they can be very disappointed in the fact that I'm no longer... Um, over here, you know, I remember the day that I was um, making my homemade dish detergent, and my husband looks at me and he goes, "You are stressing and taking twenty minutes to make that homemade dish detergent, and could you just pay the money and buy some?" And it was like this light bulb went off in my head of like, "I have to, you have to move on as seasons change, and that's okay, and I can move on without guilt because that time would be better spent, you know." Three years or four years before, I needed to do that because I had a whole lot more time than money. But my priorities have to change as our seasons change. So I get a lot of criticism from people now who are very disappointed in the fact that we have changed as a family. But when you've been blogging for 11 years, you're going to change. You should change. Let's hope you change. But I've had to sometimes if I'll get three, like I remember a few months ago, I got three long letters in a row of people saying, um, that they were just so disappointed in me how much I changed as a person and how I wasn't frugal like I used to be and I lost my way. And and I started to take it very personally until I went back to think, you know, I have to be okay with disappointing these people because I there are a wonderful blogs out there for those people that are in that season of life. I'm not there anymore. And I'm, I'm called to now serve a different kind of woman in a different kind of season and I'm okay with that and so really I think for me that defining of whom I'm okay with disappointing and who am I not okay with disappointing in the sense of I do not want to disappoint my husband I do not want to disappoint my God and I do not want to disappoint my kids as much as I can and so 
so looking at that and those priorities, that's really helped me when the criticism comes. And then I think the other thing is because every single day there's criticism, um, and sometimes you just have to laugh because it's just funny sometimes. Um, but the other times I, I always try to stop and pray for the person because I know that most of the time it's not about me. It's about some situation in their life that they're really stressed or overwhelmed by or upset by. And I am just the target of that stress and frustration. And so stopping and praying for the person and then also just recognizing that I remember who I am in Christ and I know that and and listen to their criticism because I need to hear it and sometimes I need to change something that I'm doing based upon that. And other times I need to say, you know what? This is a person who hasn't earned the right to speak into my life. They don't know my kids. They don't know my situation. And I need to go to my husband and say, hey, here's this criticism I got today. Can you speak truth to this? Is there truth to this? And if not, what do we do with this? And that that really helps to have the outside voice of someone saying, no, there's not there's no truth here, or there is some truth here. You you may, maybe you came across in that post too arrogantly or strongly or whatever, and you need to apologize or change that and tell that person, thank you so much for mentioning that because you're right, that could come across wrong. Isn't she a breath of fresh, cool mountain air? I just love Crystal. She is the mom of three, and I love how she described, you know, using Jesse, her husband, as like a sounding board. She was able to um, get back to center or, you know, regain clarity after bouncing some things off of him. And I, I really appreciate that she's open to criticism. It's not like she's saying, just tell me none of this is true, right? She's she's basically opening herself up and saying, Jesse, if there's any truth in this that I need to see, um, please help me see it. I I really admire that. So I want you to go to Crystal's website and check out her blog. It's such good material, such a great resource for all kinds of things. It's like a little treasure trove of goodness. That's moneysavingmom.com. And I'm going to read you a new review. Here's one from FFH. This is a fun and insightful podcast. Carthy, the host, does a great job of drawing you in and is also a great interviewer. Wow. Thank you, FFH. All right, friend, check out the show notes. I want you to be sure and look at Crystal's charity of choice. She's going to tell us about that next week. Are you subscribed yet to our podcast? Don't be afraid. Go ahead and hit that little purple button so you don't miss next week's episode. Part two of Crystal Payne's interview, where she'll tell us all about her experience confronting someone in a hard conversation and how she's learned to turn off the voices in her head when things don't go quite the way she's expecting with her friend. So write in, send us a photo on Instagram, enter for the contest. We're going to be taking entries for tickets to a Family Life Weekend to Remember. Don't you need a getaway, you and your hubby? The drawing will be in just a few weeks, so come on over to our page. Hey Love Podcast on Instagram. That's hashtag Hey Love Getaway. Ready? Go! Just another way for you to live out love. Till next time, bye love. My thanks to the heroic, handsome, most talented rock star, keyboard player, producer, engineer extraordinaire, 
and my best friend, Blair Masters, for setting it all to music. And thank you for joining us. Come on back, and we'll talk more about how you can find your happy by living life more connected. Really, 